Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. I hope you have some days and some moments, some time in your life whenever you can just get alone with God. Just lift your voice up to Him and worship Him. There's something about pouring our life out. There's something that's powerful, very powerful about an empty vessel. You know, sometimes we're empty because life just demands everything we have. Perhaps you've had one of those days before. Whenever life or busyness or something, you know, something in the moment demanded every ounce of strength, every ounce of attention, every ounce of, you know, life that you had. There's something powerful about an empty vessel. Sometimes it's because life demands everything from us and we find ourselves empty. And sometimes it's because we empty ourselves out on purpose, that we offer ourselves to God in a time of worship or a time of prayer, in a time of need, and we pour ourselves out. There's such power in an empty vessel. In fact, there is a story in the Old Testament about this woman who had been widowed, and she had two sons. And the creditors, because her husband had ceased to provide an income, creditors had come. And they were not only going to take everything that she had, but uh, it was insufficient to pay the debt that her family had. You know, the ongoing bills that you have. Can you imagine not getting a paycheck beginning tomorrow and, you know, not getting any income? How long would that last for you and a growing family? It was that way with her. And in that day, the creditors had the right to enslave, indenture her sons into servitude, involuntary servitude, and to enslave them so that they would work off the family debt. And that's what she was facing. She was facing not only the loss of her husband, but she was also facing the loss of her two sons. And they were going to be put into indentured, you know, servanthood. She went to the prophet and she told him her dilemma and she asked him for help. And his first question was this. I find it interesting. His first question was, well, what do you have? You know, and she said, you can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 4. She said, well, I don't have anything. <laughs> you know, I love that thought of what do you have? Well, what do you have? And when we look at our own lives at time, because we feel so empty, because we feel perhaps abandoned, because we feel as though that we've lost so much or we've gone through some tragedy, some trauma, some, some difficult circumstance or situation, we look at our lives and think that we don't have anything. I, I don't see anything I have of value. And that's what she was pointing at. I have nothing valuable enough to meet this need. I have nothing with which I can apply to my problem and cause the problem to be satisfied. And here he asks a very pertinent question, what do you have? And she said, the only thing I possess is a little bit, just a little bit of oil in a jar. <laughs> you know, that's all he was looking for. That's often all that we need is just a little bit to put into the hands of God. And this prophet said to her, he said, then I want you to take what you have. I want you to go home. 
I want you to send your sons out and I want them to borrow empty vessels from your neighbors. Go out to your neighbors and ask for some vessels, but don't ask for vessels with anything in them. Ask for empty vessels. And, and he said, do not borrow a few. Borrow every empty vessel that you can find and get your hands on. And so he said, whenever your sons bring those empty vessels into your home, then you close the door upon you. You know, sometimes you just have to close the door on you and your solitude, on you and your miracle. Sometimes in order to have a miracle, see a miracle, in order to let God provide, sometimes you have to just shut the door and close the door and, and get alone with God and get alone in the moment. And that's what the prophet wanted her to do. He didn't want anybody else butting into her problem, into his plan. He said, you bring those vessels into your home and you shut the door. And then he told her something, very else, something else very important. He said, you pour into those empty vessels. Pour that little oil that you have into those empty vessels. And, and she had told him, well, it's nothing. It's not enough. And he said, I want you to do this. Borrow empty vessels and don't just borrow a few. Listen, many times we limit God. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, a lot of accounts in the Bible where people limited God. How in the world can you limit God? Well, the, well, the Bible says that you can limit the Holy One of Israel. In fact, you know, people limited Jesus. Matthew 13, 58 and Mark 6, 5 both give an account of Jesus. It says, he could do there no mighty works because they refused to be persuaded that he could help them. They did not believe that he could help them, and therefore they limited the Holy One of Israel. Whenever we put God into a category where he cannot even help us, whenever we imagine that we are beyond, beyond God's help, we are beyond miracles, we are, you know, when we imagine that, that, that we're not going to get any help even from God, we put ourselves into a category of limiting him. And that's what she had done in her mind. She saw what she had as a little bit. It's like Naaman the leper. Whenever he went to that prophet and said to the prophet, you know, um, heal me. And, and, and the prophet said, go, you know, go dip in the river Jordan seven times. He said, oh my goodness. And he went home not intending to do that. Why? Because he did not imagine that the little bit that he could offer God. He said, that's just too simple. That's just too easy. That's just, that's, that sounds like it won't work. You know, dip in the river Jordan seven times. But his friend said, what if he had asked you to do something hard, something that was difficult? He said, well, I would have thought more of it. I might would have done it. And they said, then why not do this easy and simple thing? And they encouraged him, and he dipped in the river Jordan seven times. It didn't happen on the first time, the second time, the third time. But it did on the seventh time. He was cleansed of his leprosy. You know, let's not limit God. Here this prophet said to this widow, Shut the door and you pour into those empty vessels. Very important. You know, sometimes some things don't happen because they won't happen for anybody but you. Sometimes we have to keep our hand on our miracle. Sometimes it's important that we keep our hand on our miracle. And that's what the prophet told her, you poor. Do you know sometimes it won't work for anybody else but you? 
I have so many testimonies in our life and in our church of things that worked, that God spoke. And we kept our hand on the miracle and it worked. And we also have some testimonies that we let those things get outside, beyond us, beyond our ability to let God work through us. And they failed in the hands of others. That's a common testimony. There's something that you can do, that God has called you to do, that will work for you. There's something that you can address. Do you know most likely, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of, of business advice, if, you know, of, of office advice. You know, if you're having a problem in your business, most likely you're the only person that can fix it. Most likely you're the only one that can fix it. You know, there's no reason complaining about something that somebody else is not fixing whenever it belongs to you and you're not fixing it. And that's what he told this woman. Keep your hand on your miracle. You poor. And so she did what he said. She went home and told her sons. They went and borrowed vessels and, and brought them into the house. And I'm talking about, you know, uh, we're dealing with a God of miracles here. She had a need. Her need was real. She didn't see how she could meet the need. She didn't even see how God could meet the need. But she went ahead like Naaman the leper and went ahead and did what the prophet said to her. And there as she poured into those empty vessels, they filled up. And he told her, when you fill one, set it aside and pour into the next one. And he told her, your jar of oil will not cease to flow. Pour into the oil. Pour, set it aside. And the scriptures tell us in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, that whenever she had filled up her last empty vessel, she asked for another one. They said there is none. And the oil stopped. It stopped right there. The apostle Peter, the apostle Paul, they all experienced like miracles. Peter was tasked by Jesus with feeding the 5,000 men besides the women and children. You remember he and the other disciples, Jesus said, you feed them. It was always God's intent that Jesus feed those 5,000. Excuse me, that, that the disciples feed those 5,000. That was God's intent. It was not God's intent that Jesus feed them. It was God's intent that the disciples feed them. You feed them, he said. And they said in each account, you know, well, where in the world would we get enough food to feed them? Well, what do you have? Well, we have here, you know, you know two fishes and five barley loaves. Okay. You know, God can do the miracles, but he expects us to do the work. And so Jesus said, give them to me. He took them, the Bible says, he blessed them and he broke them. And he gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the multitude. The disciples still fed the 5,000, and it was in their hands that they carried a miracle of multiplication. And when they went, he had already told them, if you'll read the accounts, they were sitting on a hill uh, belonging to Bethsaida on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, perhaps 15,000 people. The Bible says 5,000 men besides the women and children. 
And Jesus told them to set them down in groups or rows of 50. And he set them in rows of 50. And so they went, there was not enough time. This happened, it began to happen in the evening time. And it concluded before dark. So it was literally after lunch when Jesus said, let's feed them something. And then if you read the account, he sent the disciples away after they'd already fed them in a boat. And he went up to pray before dark. So here in this space of time, how do you feed, you know, 15,000 people? He set them in rows of 50. He took the, the, the fish and the loaves, he broke them, and he gave them to his disciples, 12 disciples. And the disciples gave them to the multitude. Now follow this with me if you would. When they broke it off and handed it to that first person in that row of 50, that's about all the time they had to do. Because they also had to gather up what was left over. They had, you know, uh, you know three or four hours of work just, just in, in breaking and handed, breaking and handed. Do you know that everyone they handed a, a, a piece of fish or a piece of bread to, that they were handing them a miracle? And then he went to the next row and handed another one, and the next row and handed another one, and the next row and handed another. There is no other um, mathematically poss possibility, but each person had to participate. And when this one person, number one in the row of 50, got it, they had to take it. You know, no doubt they thanked God for it because they were in the middle of a miracle and they broke it and handed it to the next one. And the next one took it and broke it and handed the next one and the next one. And it would have had to happen 50 times. 51 times if you count Jesus breaking it. I have a feeling when Jesus broke the fish and loaves, follow me on this. When Jesus broke this, you know, Five barley loaves and two fish. I think it perfectly divided, my personal opinion, into 12 pieces. I don't think when it was over, Jesus had, still had two fish and five barley loaves. I can't prove that, but I can sure believe that. Because the miracle, you know, what's Jesus needing with two fish and five barley loaves? Unless he was going to eat them, maybe. I don't know. So... It went and went and went. And then when the last person broke it, the very last person in line broke it, took it, thanked God for it, no doubt, broke it. They had a piece to eat and a piece to put in the basket. That's the only way you have leftovers here. Twelve baskets full. Because the miracle multiplies. Just like the Apostle Paul, when he was in Ephesus, in Acts the 19th chapter in verse 11, it says that God did special miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, when you're in the middle of a miracle, you know, uh, uh, making that miracle go further than you is a part of God's desire. So that handkerchiefs, pieces of cloth were taken from him as, as, as a miraculous you know, uh, intervention by God and sent far beyond to the places he did not go and provided healing and deliverance for people. Well, this little widow in the fourth chapter of 2 Kings, here she poured, she poured, she poured, she poured, 
and she filled up the last empty vessel. Now, just like the prophet said, take and sell that oil. You sell the oil. They had to give the pots back, by the way. Okay? They borrowed the vessels. They borrowed empty vessels. Why did they borrow empty vessels? It looks like if you're going out to meet a need, you want to borrow some full vessels. There's something God loves about an empty vessel. You know, something God loves about us pouring ourselves out, emptying ourselves, or being empty. A broken and a contrite heart the Lord will not despise. If you go back into 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17, in 1 Kings chapter 17, there is a, an account of another widow. You may remember her. She's called the widow of Zarephath. Do you remember that there was an evil king and his queen Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel, and there was a prophet Elijah, and Elijah declared it will not rain, you know, until I pray again, and for the space of three and a half years it did not rain? You know? Well, in the middle of that, God sent the prophet to a place called Zarephath. And he said, because the brook had dried up where he was, and, and you know, he was in need of some food. He was in need of, of, of some provision. And what did God do? God said, Elijah, go to Zarephath, for I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. So he goes to Zarephath. It was a long walk. If God didn't translate him, he, had, you know, he probably had a month's walk ahead of him or a little bit more. So he walks to the city of Zarephath. Now, if God was to say to me, go somewhere, you know, if I didn't have any money, if I didn't have a job, if I didn't have any, anything to eat, if there was a famine in the land, if there was a drought in the land, and God said to me, I want you to go to, to, uh, you know, to Sealsby, there is a widow there that's going to take care of you. Well, when I got to Sealsby, I'd be looking around for a rich widow in a big house. Wouldn't you? But you know what God does? Whenever, whenever somebody needs a blessing, he looks around for a way that they can be a blessing. Because it's in blessing that we are blessed. And this widow needed a blessing. This widow was in a bad place. And he gets to the town of Zarephath, and he's not looking. You know, the, the, this prophet is not looking for a rich widow. He's looking for an empty vessel. Because he knows that he's going to need a lot more than what any individual is going to be able to supply in this particular time. And so he finds this widow who's empty. She's empty. She's out gathering up sticks. Her intent is to gather enough sticks to start a fire so that she can cook herself and her son one last meal. Because that's all she had. So he says to this woman, hey, would you give me a glass of water? Give me a drink of water? So she's on his way. I mean, come on now. There's a drought. That was enough. So she goes to get him a drink. And while she's going on her way, he says to her, and would you make me a cake also? Bring me some cornbread too. And she said, I'm going to tell you the truth, sir. I don't have anything. 
All I have is a little meal and a little oil. Now, if y'all haven't noticed a theme here tonight, by the way, and I'm, I'm still got my notes, they're back there waiting on me to get to my message, okay? Uh, in, in, in John 3, verses 1 through 7, uh, there is a theme here tonight, uh, and, and this theme is God supplying from the little that we have, from that cloud the sides of a man's hand, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the little that you have. Don't despise the little opportunity that you have. Don't despise the little movement of God. The little things that you see, don't despise. Little things in the hand of God. Little is much in the hand of the Lord. That's what the Word says. Little is much in the hand of the Lord. She says, sir, I'm, I'm just gathering sticks to start a fire and cook me and my son our last meal, and, 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 and uh, then we're going to die. That's what she said. She had a, I'm going to eat my last meal and die mentality. That's all she believed. She was not in faith. She was not petitioning God. She had gone through, no doubt, a very horrible two, two and a half years here. No doubt it had been tough on her. And she had seen everything she had waste away. And, and you know, I mean, imagine this. Imagine that we were in a great famine. And imagine that you had already eaten everything in your cupboard. Imagine all that the, 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 the shelves in the stores were bare. Imagine there was nothing else to eat. Can you imagine being in that place? Can you imagine where you have nothing? You have absolutely nothing and no hope of getting anything. No hope of anybody giving you anything. Everybody you know is in the same place. Can you imagine for just a moment? Put yourself in her shoes just a moment. Can you imagine where you have nothing? And somebody come and ask you for your son's last meal? Whoa. You know, if I had been this woman's pastor or her neighbor and she had called me, I would have said, don't do it. <laughs> I'd have said, don't do it. Wouldn't you? I would have. I would have said, whoo, no, uh-uh. You know, uh, this dirty bum comes walking from from some other place no telling how he smells he's been eating what what buzzards been bringing him and he's walked a long way and no doubt he's he's not uh, you know i mean we don't know him he's not he he's a foreigner in our land he's in zarephath he's 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 from israel and you know and he's on the run ahab would have killed him if he could have found him Jezebel would have killed him if she could have found him. But you know what she listened to? She didn't listen to anything but what was on the inside of her. Why? Because God, when, when, when the prophet was all the way back at that brook, God said, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. God commanded her already. She didn't know that she had been commanded by God to take care of him. She had no idea. She had no idea she was supposed to be a blessing so she could be blessed. She had no idea that she was being given an opportunity to save her life and save her family's life. She had no idea that what it would take was for her just to acknowledge that God, you know, has spoken to me. And Elijah said to her, listen, if you will make me a cake first, that oil 
will not run out and that meal will not run out until God sends rain, you know, and, 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 and until there's more. What in the world made her believe that? What made her take a chance on that? Had she not eaten in so long that she was loony? Can you imagine someone asking you that? What made her do that? I'm going to tell you. Elijah, when he spoke to her, when, when, when what God said to Elijah, which is the word of God, came to Elijah, and Elijah spoke and repeated that word of God to her, it awakened a command of God on the inside of her life. She was empty. She was empty and she had nothing. God loves an empty vessel. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Little is much in the hand of the Lord. Don't, don't be afraid just because you're empty. Don't be too concerned just because you have nothing or the little bit you have doesn't look like it's going to meet a need. Listen, there may be a need that God needs you to meet so he can meet your need. You know, I, I'm, I'm not prophesying that to you. I'm telling you from the scriptures, God loves an empty vessel and he fills empty vessels. And we don't need to despise the little things that we, we have and the little things he does in our life there she went and made Elijah a cake first you know what I would have said I'd have said this well I tell you what how about this how about I make me and my son a cake first and then if there's any left over I'll make you a cake I mean if God is God couldn't he do that that way my way instead of his way no that wouldn't have worked you know what happened well that, that woman would have died her son would have died and she would have died believing that that guy was wrong she would have died believing that the Word of God had no power. You know, the Word of God is only the Word of God when it is the Word of God. It's God's way. And God was requiring her to take a step of faith and obey the command on the inside of her. When she did that, the Bible says that the oil did not run out and the meal did not run out. And, and Elijah and she and her son ate for the whole rest of the famine. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that cornbread was pretty good and I'm imagining they ate all they wanted. God loves an empty vessel. Little is much in the hand of the Lord. That same prophet, just a little while later, that same prophet found himself on top of Mount Carmel. And on the top of Mount Carmel, he was praying for rain. In the book of James, the Bible says, Consider Elijah, a man who was subject to like passions just like we are. Yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not. And then he prayed again, and it did. Consider Elijah, who is a man subject to the same passions that you and I are subject to, to the same temptations, the same fears, the same worries, the same woes, the same hungers. Imagine him. Yet he prayed earnestly. And the Bible says right after that, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will prevail. Just like Elijah. Just like Elijah. Right before that. Well, this woman who in the second chapter, excuse me, the fourth chapter of 2 Kings, who poured, she went and sold the oil and then the Bible says that she paid her debts and she had enough to live on. And I'm imagining she had enough to live on either for the rest of her life or until her sons got well. But do you know what she did? She limited God. Why? Because she didn't see him big enough. She saw him big, but not big enough. 
not as big as he was. Do you know if she'd had five more pots, that oil would have kept going? If she'd had ten more pots, that oil would have kept going? Do you know if there had been another 20,000 people on that hill, they'd all been fed? You know, if there had only been 300 people there, they'd have got fed. Do you know if there had been 14 people in this widow's household, they would have all gotten cornbread every day? Why? Because of the nature of a miracle. Because I'm going to quote T.L. Osborne. I heard him say this one time. The nature of a miracle. He says, what size is a miracle? One size fits all. I have a feeling if this little widow would have had a bigger vision, she would have sent one of those sons to making pots. I'd have done something. I'd have filled up shoes. I'd have done something. And, and that oil would have still been, we'd have had widow and son oil company today. It has still been pouring oil. You know, I, 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 listen, miracles, miracles have a nature of meeting not just one need, but meeting multiple needs. Do you need a miracle tonight? Are you in a place where you're empty? You're empty because of a tragedy, a trauma, because something happened beyond your circumstances. Or are you willing to pour yourself out to God, to empty yourself? I'm not talking about of your resources. I'm not talking about of your food. I'm not talking about of your finances. I'm talking about of your hurts and your heart. Are you willing? Uh, you know, like, like that widow, uh, uh, or excuse me, like that prophet prayed on Mount Carmel. He prayed seven times for it to rain. And finally, there was a cloud the size of a man's hand a little bitty cloud and most people would not have thought very much about a little small cloud after a huge three and a half year drought a little cloud rising in the in the west over the Mediterranean but when he saw that little cloud when he saw that little change he knew that God was on his way he knew that the answer was coming because he saw a little change you know just a little thing I'm talking about whenever whenever uh, you know Jesus Jesus broke those fishes and it ended up giving it to about the fifth disciple. If I'd have been in the crowd, I'd have been shouting hallelujah because a miracle has taken place and that miracle is going to get to me in a moment and I'm going to get fed. You know, when she poured that oil and it was pouring, by the time that little jar had filled up that first big jar, I'd have been shouting glory. I'd have been fighting because I know the miracle is I'm in the middle of a miracle. That prophet knew he was in the middle of a miracle because he saw one little change. I'm going to challenge you tonight. I'm going to pray for miracles for you. I'm going to pray for a miracle for you. You know, if, if, if you're empty, if you're willing just to pour your heart out, if you're willing to trust God with your problem, with your pain, with your hope, with your future, with, 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 with whatever you may have, if you're willing just to lay it in God's hands, I'm going to pray for a miracle for you. Uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and if you don't, it won't happen. Don't worry about it. If you don't believe in miracles, don't worry about it. Okay, they, 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 they won't ever bother you. Okay, uh, but, but if you want to just, you know, if you're willing just to be neutral even, let me, let, me just, let me just pray for you, okay, for a miracle, for something that you might need. 
you know, whatever it may be. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. You might say, well, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm, I'm small. I'm unknown. I mean, I mean my, my problem is hidden. Nobody knows. God knows. God knows. God knows. God knew where that little widow of Zarephath was. He knew what she needed. He knew. He knew listen, he knew those, those, those uh, people, uh, the, the poor in, in, in Jericho, whenever he told, uh, you know, when Zacchaeus gave the poor. God knew which one needed something that day, which one was praying that day. And, 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 and those needs were met. God's willing to meet your needs. And if you don't have a need, then pray with me for the miracles that other people need. And the miracle that you need when you see that little change, little as much in the hand of the Lord, begin to thank him, begin to praise him, begin to worship him. You know, there's, there's such potential in an empty vessel. A full vessel is at its greatest day. But there's such potential in an empty vessel. Dare to empty yourself out before God. Dare to go to God and just be honest with Him and pour out your pain, pour out your hurt, pour out your, 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 your need to Him. Just tell Him. Just tell Him your need. Just talk to Him and pour it out. Just empty yourself. You know, a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. He will move on our behalf. Okay? Amen? Amen? He will. He will move on our behalf. I believe that with all of my heart. Numbers 23, 19. You know, God's a God of miracles. He's already told us he'll meet our needs. Okay? But I want to make sure that I give you the word of God tonight. I've quoted a lot of scripture, but let's read the word of God together. Numbers 23, 19. And uh, then, then we're going to do Psalms 89, verse 34. And then we're going to do... Um, Psalms 138.2. Psalms 89.34 and Psalms 138.2. Look, look, what, look what the Word says here. The Word says that God is not a man that he should lie. God's not lying to us. This, this Word is true. Neither is he the Son of Man that he should repent. Okay? If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. Okay? That's the truth. You have a covenant with God. If you are born again, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, if not, make him the Lord. Ask him to come into your heart and your life right now. He will. That's what our John message was about tonight, out of John the third chapter, verses 1 through 7. You can read it. You must be born again. And whatever's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. God wants to get you over into a spiritual relationship with him and not a carnal relationship. He wants to get you over in a relationship where you, 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 you don't have to figure it out for it to still be real for you for you to still trust God that it doesn't have to look good on paper that it doesn't have to match up for you to still believe God that, that, that's, what, that's what John 3 verses 1 through 7 tells us okay? but, but here you know, it, is, it is forever settled God's not going to lie to you, he's not, you know, he's, he's not a man he doesn't have to lie okay? nor is he the son of man he doesn't, he doesn't have to say oh I'm sorry I changed my mind. He doesn't have to apologize for not being able to do it. Okay? If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. Psalms 89, 34. God said this, and you're in covenant with him. Remember, you're in covenant with him. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the thing which has gone out of my mouth, out of my lips. 
My covenant I will not break. I will not break my covenant with you. And God has a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, we are in Christ. And, and God didn't lie to Jesus when he said that, that you know, with blessing he would bless us. Okay. One more I'll give you. Psalms 138.2. Look, look, look what God did. You know, uh, I worship the Holy Simple and praise your name for your love and kindness is better than truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God's word is magnified even above the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is pretty big. But his word is magnified even above all his name. This word is truth. The word is truth. He'll not break his covenant. He didn't lie. Let me pray right now for miracles in your life. For miracles. You know. God, Lord, some of the people, Lord, at, at least those that you were specifically targeting tonight are empty. Some of them, Lord, may not have realized how empty they are. Some of them, Lord, are empty because they've poured their lives out and their troubles and their pain, their problems out to you. And some of them, Lord, have just been walking around empty, Lord, even blind to their emptiness, Lord. They just think it's normal life, God. They've been hurt, Lord. They've been trampled on, Lord. They've been betrayed, Lord. They've been left, Lord. They're, they've been abandoned, Lord. They don't have any resources, Lord. They don't even know, Lord. They don't even know how to ask you to help. They're not even sure what help is, Lord. God, I'm asking you, sir, open up their eyes, sir. Lord, these empty vessels, fill them, Lord. Fill them. Lord miracles God Lord let them see God that the little Lord that they have is so much in your hand Lord God uh, give them hope where they had none Lord give them a uh, peace where they had none Lord God give them joy Lord give them uh, finances Lord where they had none Lord give them resources Lord give them almighty God bless them oh God I pray Lord bless us each one and make us a blessing Lord you're looking for someone to bless tonight God Lord bless them through through us. Bless us and make us a blessing, Lord. You're looking, Lord, for a country to bless, Lord. You're looking for poor people, Lord, to bless. You're looking for someone to take your word, Lord, around the world. You're looking for somebody, Lord, to help God. Use us, Lord. Help us. Strengthen us, God. Lord, uh, call our children. Strengthen our children, Lord. Bless our children, Lord, to be a blessing to others, God. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, give us a miracle, Lord. The miracles, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, beyond comprehension, beyond imagination, beyond our ability to manipulate or even, Lord, explain. God, bring miracles, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You are our miracle, God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. May God bless you with a miracle. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.